Come on, let's lift our voice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I think we're going to just lift the roof here a few moments. Let hell know we're, we showed up for church today. Hallelujah. What an awesome God you are, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I am delighted to be back at Cornerstone this morning. Wonderful privilege to be back in the house of worship. Amen. We give honor today to your good pastor and the first lady. We love them dearly. We respect them. We honor them. And uh, the only part of this trip that I don't like is the fact that my friend is not here, but he was wondering if I could handle it without him gone. And I said, yeah, it's not my first rodeo. I've done it before. So, amen. But we're delighted to be here. What a great God we serve. Amen. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Not only am I glad that I am here at Cornerstone, but I'm also glad I'm almost at the end of 2020. It's the longest three years of my life. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, you know, I didn't know our world was so insane. And uh, I sure didn't know that our leaders were so insane. Amen. Kind of like I saw a hat one day. It had two bibs on the front and the, and the writing on it said, I'm their leader. Which way did they go? And uh, it's kind of a kind of a crazy world that we live in today. And uh, a lot of things have changed since we were here a year ago. Uh, we would have never dreamed we'd be where we are. But we're here. And God's still in control. I'm not worried about, I'm really not worried about anything because God's in control. And what I am convinced of is that behind all of what we see happening in our world, the will of God is being accomplished. We may not understand everything, but we know the will of God is being accomplished. And I want to remind you, I want to remind you of the simple fact that that everything happening in our world, God only has his eye on one place and one thing, and that's his church. If you think God's worried about the state of the world, let me introduce you to a reality today. He is not worried. Amen. What I want to know is what's God doing? What is God doing? Because whatever God's doing, that's what I want to be involved in. Amen. I'm not going to get so caught up with the craziness of our time that I am going to be, get filled with anxiety and fear. Praise the Lord. I made my mind up a long time ago I wasn't living in fear. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. God that has given us that sound mind. Now, I know you're standing. Just give me a couple of minutes. Let me just, let me testify for a couple of minutes because I want you to know that while all this crazy shutdown stuff, God has not been shut down. But his work has continued on in a great and a mighty way. Uh, when I was here last year, uh, we had returned from the country 
uh, uh, Zambia, the continent of Africa. And uh, since that time, uh, one of our bishops, the bishop we baptized from Malawi, uh, he has baptized uh, over 150 people in Jesus' name in this past year. Amen. He just, last Sunday, he just baptized 21 more in Jesus' name. Praise God. But the pastor that we're working with in Uganda about a month ago, uh, somewhere four or five weeks ago, in the course of a weekend, he baptized 67, and 12 of them were Trinitarian pastors, and one was a Trinitarian bishop. I could go on. There's others. The situation in India, where we were, uh, we were going to. I think uh, we were in planning to go when I was here. I can't remember exactly the schedule, the timing. It may have been. I may have already come back from there. But whatever be the case, I went back in February, and I met with 25 to 30 pastors, all of them new to the apostolic uh, message. Uh, all of them had been baptized in Jesus' name, but they all had not received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so during the course of three days, two days and three nights of services, uh, we had eight of those pastors receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the very first time. And in those three nights and two days, we had a total of 38 that received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I'm just telling you, God's doing it. Amen. I had a very unique experience uh, about, well, it would be back about midsummer. I had a young man from the nation of Gambia on the continent of Africa who contacted me. And uh, so we began to communicate and process the time. I was able to give him a Bible study online uh, via uh, FaceTime. Uh, on the plan of salvation. He's 21 years old, uh, and he saw his need of being baptized in Jesus' name. And so uh, I'm 5,000 miles away. I'm not in Africa. And besides, you can't travel anyway international at that time. So, And there was no church. There's no church in his area at all that preaches the truth. So I said, well, I, I don't know anything else to do. Take your 13-year-old sister with you out to the water and uh, take your, your phone and uh, put it on FaceTime. Let me see you in the water and let her hold the phone close enough to you that she can you can hear me say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you go down in water. Amen. Hallelujah. And so a few days later, uh, we continued our Bible study, and I, I taught him on the Holy Ghost and the importance of the Holy Ghost and what happens when you get the Holy Ghost. And so we had a prayer meeting right there on FaceTime and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, and so uh, I am giving him weekly uh, Bible studies, sometime two a week. It depends on how we're able to connect with my travels and his uh, their internet system there, but uh, we've been giving him Bible studies. He's growing. Uh, he is grasping 
what it is to live for God. He knows nothing about uh, this whole business of, of a relationship with God, but he's learning and he's developing. And that to me is, is amazing because, uh, in fact, just a few weeks ago, uh, he was able to listen to me preach in a service where uh, I was preaching. He had never heard uh, a preacher preach, and he never heard worship. And uh, so uh, it's just amazing to watch his growth and what God is doing. I believe God's going to use him in Gambia as a major force for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And so it's exciting to see what God is doing and the fact that God has not stopped. His gospel has not been shut down. His message is still being preached, and people are still getting the Holy Ghost. In spite of everything the devil would like to do, God's still in control. Thank God. I could give you other testimonies. I'll move on because uh, I, I feel like we need to get in the word of the Lord. I feel uh, a burden in my heart, and I want to try to be a blessing uh, in this service today. I'm reading from Leviticus chapter 16, and we're reading beginning with verse number 6 down through verse number 10. Leviticus 6, 16, Leviticus 16, verse 6 down through verse 10. And if the brethren will just favor me a little bit more on these monitors that are facing me, I would appreciate it. Scripture said, And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Amen. Let him go for a scapegoat. And so for a few minutes today, I'm going to speak to you on this subject. Let the goat go. Amen. Let the goat go. Now, if you're going to help me, if you're not going to sit on me and get all tight this morning, if you're going to help me preach, then I want you to clap your hands and give God a little bit of praise for his word. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. The word sin is defined very literally as to miss the mark. And, of course, the question would be, what is that mark? Well, the mark is the standard of perfection that can only be attained by adherence to divine law. The mark is the standard of perfection that can only be attained by adherence 
to divine law. So sin is a transgression of divine law. Now the first mention of the word sin is found in Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 7. The Lord speaking to Cain who had just murdered his brother Abel. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. The three-letter word sin is found first in this particular verse. But we know that sin had already entered into the world through Adam and Eve. And we also note by Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 what the consequence of uh, their action and the sin that they committed is upon the whole world. He said, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so that's the consequence of Adam and Eve's uh, failure in the garden at the time of their sin. Their sin passed upon all men. You didn't have a choice. When you were born, you carried the sin of Adam in your life. That's why the writer of Psalms 51 and 5 said this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So even the psalmist understood in that time that all men are sinners because of the fact that we are a part of that, that, that sin that Adam and Eve committed in the garden. It was passed upon all of us. So we are sinful today because of fallen nature. But we're not only sinners because of our fallen nature, but we are sinners through our own actions of sin. Amen. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 1, he said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, and neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So sin is an ugly thing because it separates an individual from God. And I understand today that what I'm saying right now for most of us uh, is very elementary. Uh, but the reality is it's not a very popular message in our world today because the idea is that everybody's okay and we can live whatever life we want to live and do whatever we want to do without any consequences. But that is not a reality where the Word of God is concerned. Sin will separate you from God. Amen. I'm telling you whether it's pre-salvation or post-salvation, sin will separate you from God. Your iniquities will separate you from God. You see, the problem is not God. His ear is not too heavy that it cannot hear and his arm is not too short that it cannot save. Our God can save to the uttermost. 
No matter where you come from, no matter what your life has been, we serve a God that is able to deliver you. A God that is able to save you. Amen. And while sin separates you from God, the good news is you don't have to be separated from God. Thank God that the love of God is manifest in that he has provided a way for men to be reconciled to God. The love of God is made manifest in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Christ died. Come on. Are you thankful for the sacrifice of Calvary? I'm not happy he suffered. I'm not happy that he bled. I'm not happy that he died. I'm not happy he had to go through what he went through to save me. But I am thankful that he shed his blood. I am thankful that he gave his life. I am thankful that through him I can be reconciled back to God. Clap your hands and shout hallelujah. So we get back to our text, Leviticus 16 and verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat. Now this is actually a little further down than what I was reading in Leviticus 16. He went on to explain some more details. He said, then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering. That is for the people. And bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So here we note in Leviticus 16 where this instruction regarding these two goats are concerned, that the blood of the first goat was the payment for the sins of the people. Now, we understand by the word of God that all these things happen to them as in samples unto us upon whom the ends of the world are concerned. So when we go to Leviticus 16 and we read about this, we understand that this can serve as a typology of what God has done for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when we fast forward to the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of this Old Testament typology. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 11. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes, ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more, hallelujah, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself 
without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I don't know how you feel today, but my heart says, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Blood has always been a part of God's plan. For when you read Hebrews 9 and 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. Let me remind you today that your sins can only be remitted by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the way your sins are remitted by the blood of Jesus Christ is when you go down in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Because the power of the blood to cleanse you is in the name of Jesus. I don't know. You may not, you may not get excited about this, but this excites me. This is part of my candy stick. This is like an all-day sucker to me. Hallelujah. I like talking about what Jesus did for us. I like talking about the price he paid on Calvary. Amen. I like talking about the fact that a way was made for us. And the way that was made was he shed his blood for our sin. Now, when you go back again to the Old Testament, we discover that blood was shed in the garden because of sin. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, their response to their sin, there was actually four responses that Adam and Eve gave to their sin. And I find this uh, to be the case even to today. First of all, they tried to fix it themselves. Whenever they realized that they had transgressed, when they realized they had sinned, they sewed fig leaves together and put upon themselves an apron to try to cover the nakedness. Now, that was the result of their sin. I want to remind you, friend, you can't fix sin yourself. I don't care how hard you try. You can't bake enough cakes and give it to the hungry. You can't feed enough hungry folks. You can't work the soup kitchen long enough. You, oh, glory to God. You can't go out and serve somewhere in some disaster area. You can't be good enough. You can't be kind enough. You can't be sweet enough to solve your sin problem. Oh, hallelujah. The first response they gave was they tried to fix it themselves. Their second response was that they hid as if that would help. Because when the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, the voice of the Lord came walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they weren't where they normally were. They were hid. And the Lord had to ask Adam, Adam, where art thou? You've got to understand that whenever the Lord asked that question, that that was not because God did not know where they were. God happens to be omniscient. He knows everything. 
He knows about every person sitting on these pews here this morning. He knows about our highs and our lows. He knows about our good and our bad. He knows everything about us. You cannot hide from God. It wasn't that he didn't know where they were. It was the fact that what God wanted was Adam to admit where he was. And as long as you're trying to hide because of your sin, you'll never admit who you are and what you are. There comes a point you just got to say, God, it's me. I'm in trouble. I got a problem. Amen. Now just hang on. I'm going somewhere. Somebody shout hallelujah. Their third response was they didn't show up for church. Whenever the Holy Ghost, when the Spirit of God showed up, they didn't show up. They didn't show up for their time of worship. Can I tell you that when you have failed, the worst thing you can do is stay out of church. When you made a mistake, the worst thing you can do is not come to church. Hallelujah. This is where your help is. This is where your deliverance is. This is where your strength is. This is where that you get what you need whenever you are in a situation that you can't even help yourself. Amen. So they tried to fix it themselves. They tried to hide. And then they even decided that we just won't show up for church. Their fourth response was they blamed everybody else. Adam blamed Eve. Amen. Lord, it's that woman that you gave me. Amen. Eve, when God questioned her, she blamed the serpent. It was the serpent's fault that I'm where I'm at. And when the Lord looked at the serpent, he couldn't say anything because he didn't even have a leg to stand on. I'm sorry. That's about as good as it's going to get. Amen. Amen. You know, don't, don't blame everybody else because of your failure. It's not the preacher's fault. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm feeling some things in the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm not worried about whether I go fast or slow this morning. What I'm concerned about is whether or not we get the message. Amen. The Bible tells us that when Ahab met Elijah, the first thing Ahab looked at the prophet of God, Ahab, uh, Elijah was his preacher. It was his pastor. He looked at the prophet of God and he said, are you the one troubling all of Israel? It's a bad thing whenever you decide your pastor is your problem. Your pastor's not your problem. Your brother's not your problem. Your sister's not your problem. The church is not the problem. You got to look in the mirror. Oh, I wish I had some apostolics in the house to believe what I'm saying. Woo, hallelujah. You got to look at yourself and say, God, I'm the problem. I'm the one that failed. I'm the one that transgressed. Mm, hallelujah. That was their response. Their response was, 
We'll cover it up. We'll hide. Amen. We'll try to we'll try to take care of it ourselves. We'll fix it ourselves. We'll hide. We won't show up for church. And if that don't, if all that fails, then we'll blame everybody else for our trouble. That's their response, and that's usually people's response where sin is concerned. But God had a different response to sin. In Genesis three twenty one, it said unto Adam also, to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins, and he clothed them. Now, if God made coats of skins, how did he make those coats? What had to happen in order for those coats to be available to cover their nakedness? Something had to die. Something had to shed its blood. Something had to give its life. That was the only way that they would be able to cover themselves. God's plan for your sins is for something to shed its blood. And that something or someone that shed for us was our substitute. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I can't handle my sin, he can handle my sin. When I can't solve my problem, he can solve my problem. When I don't know which way to turn, he knows. Amen. The blood. Somebody say the blood. All through the word of God, it was the blood that was important. When they were prepared to leave the land of Egypt, there was the slaying of the lamb. The blood that was drained from that lamb's body. They were to take the blood and they were apply it. They were to apply the blood to the doorpost and to the lintel. The blood had to be applied to the house in order for the house to not suffer the consequences of the judgment of God upon Egypt. And that would be when the death angel flew over. The firstborn of every house would die if the blood was not applied. I'm telling your friend, you got to apply the blood. Amen. I said, you've got to apply the blood. Oh, hallelujah. This ought to excite every last one of us here today because if it wasn't for the fact that the blood was applied to our life, you wouldn't have the joy of the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't have the peace of the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't have the righteousness of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It was through repentance. It is through repentance and water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost that the blood is applied to our life. Now, when you go to the tabernacle in the wilderness or the temple that Solomon built, you're going to find outside the altar a burnt offering, which represents our repentance. When you go to the door of the tabernacle, the temple, there was a laver of water that represents in a limited fashion our baptism. And then when you enter into the holy place and enter into the holiest of holies, that represents our receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. What you've got to understand is that when that sacrifice was killed, the blood was sprinkled upon the altar. And when the priest went to wash his hands in the water, there was blood in the water. And he took that bowl of blood and went into the holiest of holies. And he sprinkled that blood upon the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. What are you saying with the bass? The blood is in repentance. 
The blood is in baptism. The blood is in getting the Holy Ghost. You need the blood every step of the way. You need the blood at every level of your reconciliation back to God. Clap your hands and praise Him. But then we go to 1 John 1 and 7. And he said, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You see, here's the marvelous thing about the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Amen. That The scripture said we have fellowship one with another. That's not horizontal fellowship. That's vertical fellowship. That if we're walking in the light as he is in the light. If I'm pursuing a walk with God and a walk of righteousness. And I'm doing everything that I possibly can do. Then I have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And his blood cleanseth us. That means it is a continual cleansing in our life. Thank God that as I'm walking with him, I have daily cleansing. I have daily washing. I have access to the blood every day of my life. I have access to the blood with every step I take in my walk with God. You better be thankful. You better be happy. You better be appreciative that the blood cleanses. It didn't just cleanse you in water baptism. But it cleans you every day of your life. Somebody say, Thank God for the blood. Somebody say, Thank God for the blood. Amen. I like what he said in Isaiah 1 and 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So we have the promise of the word of God that by the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins can be washed away. Amen. And all of us believe that today. I understand that what I preach to this point is, is something that all of us understand. All of us recognize. But we also need to realize that there's a whole world out there lying in darkness. And they have no clue that there is an answer to their sin problem. Amen. Forgive me. I'm going to use myself as a personal example. But, but, and, and I don't like to do this, but I'm going to do it. But we've got brethren in the, in the continent of Africa, and even the young man I'm teaching in Gambia, that they don't have the full understanding of what it is to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. They have a form of religion. And, and so because of the fact that, that uh, they've been struggling with some of the things that they have learned. I have been doing, uh, every week I'm trying to record some Bible lessons, some lessons on doctrine, lessons on the Godhead, lessons on the plan of salvation, and we're sending them over to them. And the response is coming back saying, you're helping us. You're helping us. We're learning things we never knew before. 
We're understanding some things about the Word of God. Can I tell you, church, that we cannot become so enamored with other things in this world that we forget the very basic fact that if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we would not even have the privilege, the opportunity to be in the sanctuary to worship our God. Amen. I want to tell you what I fear, church. I fear that we as apostolics, can I talk to you a minute or two? I fear that we as apostolics are coming to a point where that we are, we're gourmet Christians and we're looking for our pastor or our business and preacher to come up with some new thing or some new doctrine or some new way of presentation so that we can get excited one more time. We ought to be excited based on one thing and one thing alone. That the blood saved us. The name saved us. We're delivered from the bondage of sin and death because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. We get enamored over a lot of things. We get enamored over buildings. We get enamored over the fact that our favorite singer has not sung this morning. Or our favorite song has not been sung. Can I, can I talk to you? Amen. That's, that's where we are in so many places. And then you add to that, to the dynamic, you add all of the fear and the anxiety that's in our world right now. I am traveling around America. I am preaching every single week in different churches. I'm telling you that what we have gone through as the church, as the people of God, and as a nation, as well as our world, has put such a damper. It has created stress. It's created anxiety. And the fear level is so great, amen, that it has affected the worship of our churches. It's affected the liberty in the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, friend, you hear me one more time when I say to you that we've got to trust in God. We've got to believe our God. We've got to put confidence in our God. Come on, saints. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, some of us need to shake off the spirit of fear here today. Some of us need to shake off the spirit of anxiety. We need to shake off the power is in the name. The power is in the blood. Come on. Your governor don't have the power. Our president doesn't have the power. Our health officials don't have the power. Jesus has got the power. Come on. Shake off your fear. Shake off your fear. Come on, hallelujah. 
I'm 67 years old. I've never seen a level of fear in this nation like I'm seeing right now. I've never seen such anxiety. I've never seen it in my life. But I made my mind up, friend. Hallelujah. I'm not living in fear. I'm not going to let it affect my worship. I'm not going to let it affect my praise. I can't hear you. I put my message on hold for just a few minutes because I feel like the Holy Ghost has already tagged some things in this place and helped me to understand even, even Cornerstone is dealing with some stuff that the enemy would like to shut you down. He'd like to quieten you. He would like to cause you to lose your, your momentum. And oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You hear me when I tell you our God is still in control. Our God still has all power in heaven above and the earth beneath. Our God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some of us sitting here this morning, we're worried about what the governor's going to say at 11 a.m. or already said, whatever it is. We ought to be concerned about what's God saying. What's God talking about? What's God trying to help us in? What's God trying to do to us? Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of us upset because right now we don't even know what the election is going to be. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. Maybe we didn't get the one we thought we were going to get. We got all kinds of thoughts going through our mind. And there's a lot of things I don't like what's going on myself. But I'm going to tell you that it doesn't matter who sits in the White House. What's important is who's still on the throne. Who's still on the throne. Who still rules in the affairs of men. I want to finish this message, but we need to break something here today. Come on. I say we need to break something in this house. We need to break the spirit of fear. Come on. You need to shake off some of that stuff. Wake up. Wake up. Your God still has it all in control. Come on. I wish somebody would right now. I wish somebody right now would just get out of that aisle and stomp the devil's head. Let him know you're not, you're not going to control my worship. You're not going to control my praise. You're not going to, you're not taking my dance from me.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you ought to be afraid, Brother Best. You probably hadn't even had coronavirus yet, and you, you don't know what it's like. Oh, yeah, I had the virus. Amen. I got shut down for about two weeks, but that's all right. I decided, amen, me and Rona, we didn't get along too well. And I booted her out as quick as I could and got back on the road because... Well, hallelujah, you met, you met, I'm going to go ahead and say it anyhow, hallelujah. It ain't about the science, it ain't about a pandemic, it's about control. And you better get that reality in your mind. It's about control. It is a spirit of antichrist that is rising up to take control. Oh, hallelujah. You better believe the devil is an opportunist. And he'll take every opportunity to shut your praise down, to shut the church down. We weren't made for online church. We weren't made for social distancing. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place. This thing started in one place with ever. Whoo. Hallelujah. I wasn't going to say anything about all that this morning, but I felt something in the Holy Ghost. I said, I felt something in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I thought coming in to Cornerstone, y'all being way up here in the northwest, y'all weren't, y'all, y'all weren't being affected by all the idiocy back east. Amen. And back in the northeast and everywhere else. But I found out that when I walked in, I found out, I realized that the pressure is on. The stress is on. But you got to remember this. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not Shall not, shall not. When Paul, I, I'm, I'm going to try to get back to my message. I got time. I don't have to be in church till what is it, 3 o'clock this afternoon? Is it 3 that I got to be over there at, at Cornerstone North? I think it's 3, so we got plenty of time. I'm going to preach till I feel like we broke something here this morning. Paul was stranded on that island, and he had an armload of wood, and he was trying to help build a fire, and a viper came out and lashed itself upon his hand. It was a poisonous viper, which they looked at when they saw that poisonous viper latch on to him. They thought, surely he'll be dead in just a few minutes. He's a bad man. He's got it all, he's got it all wrong. But they watched him, and he was un affected by the bite of the viper. The Bible said all he did was shook it off in the fire. 
He just shook it off in the fire. Some of us need to shake off the viper in the fire of revival, in the fires of deliverance. You need to shake off that fear. Shake off that anxiety. Shake it off. It's time to have revival. It's time to have revival. Come on now. Praise the Lord. Well, I can't believe our pastor would sign a contract and buy a building right in the middle of a pandemic. I do. Because your pastor's not ruled by a pandemic and he's not ruled by crisis. Well, hallelujah. My, 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 my. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. You need, to, you need to make up your mind today. It's over with. I'm not going to let this thing so control me. In fact, it probably wouldn't hurt some of y'all to shut the news off. If you're listening to mainstream media, you ought to shut it down because it ain't doing nothing but creating more anxiety, more fear on your part. Find you an altar and bow down your knees and say, Jesus, I want to hear what you have to say. I'm tired of hearing the world, the naysayers, the gainsayers, and everybody else. Amen. It's insanity. Sit down. Hallelujah. It ain't that good. It's insanity. Come on. I said it's insanity. It has nothing to do with science. It's got nothing to do. We need to understand something here today, church. Amen. So we gave them two weeks what they wanted in the beginning. And I said in the beginning, they're going to want two more weeks. And then they're going to want a few more weeks. And here we are today, and we don't even know where we're going to from here. And we don't even know what. Listen, I'm just telling you, put God. I said, put God first. Understand that no matter what happens in the world around you, there is a God. There is a God. I'm going to tell you how insane it is. Amen. They heard us on the airplane. Amen. Just one right after another. We sit in that tin can for four hours. Amen. From Dallas all the way to here, four hours. We had, we had mechanical problems. I was three hours late getting here last night. It took, them, it took them that time. They had to take us all the way back to the gate, which was fine, because I'd prefer that they get whatever problem is fixed on the plane before they take my wife's first husband up there in the air. Not just their first one, but her favorite one. Hallelujah. Amen. And so three hours late, so here we are standing around. They get us back on the plane again, and they go back through all that rigmarole again. And they say, you got to make sure that you wear your mask. Wear it over your nose. Wear it over your mouth. Amen. 
And, and they say this, they said, it, it, shows, it shows a concern not only for yourself but for others. Hello, if masks work and you want to wear a mask, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not finding fault with that. If that's what you want to do, do it. If you feel like you're compromised, you feel like you need to, wear one. I'm not saying anything against that. Oh, hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm right now treading where angels fear to tread. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're worried, wear a mask. I'm not saying anything against you. If you feel like you're compromised or you've got issues, that's fine. But remember, if mask works, then you don't have anything to worry about. Wear yours. But don't make it a mandate for me to wear one. Because I already had the virus. I can't give it and I can't get it. Preach on, Brother Bass. Hallelujah. And so they tell us when we're landing and we're pulling up to the gate. Now, we've been on this tin, in this tin can for the past four hours. We've been with, we've been, I've been within six feet of probably 20 people all the way around me. And they, they land that dumb plane, and they start saying, now, in order for us to continue to practice social distancing, we're going to, we're going to deplane one row at a time so that we don't crowd the aisles. Well, wait a minute. You crowded them for me to get on this plane. And I've been crowded on this plane for four hours. And now you want me to sit in my seat until the seat in front of me is already vacated. I'm sorry. I might look it, but I ain't dumb or stupid. I'm getting up. When that light goes off, I'm standing up. Somebody said, oh, hallelujah, you haven't got a right attitude. No, it ain't got nothing to do with having a right attitude. It's the fact that I am fed up with the spirit of control because that's all it is. Amen. They don't want you to go to church, but they'll open the strip clubs. They don't want you to go to church, but the, but the houses of abortion are still open. Huh? The liquor stores are still open. Walmart's is open. Woo, hallelujah. Y'all going to have to forgive me. I've got complete, I've gone, clo I've gone off the rails this morning. Huh? I don't know if I'll get back to my message or not. I'm just telling you, you need to understand what's happening in this world. And if you don't stand up for what you believe in, and you don't stand up for who you are. Amen. Y'all can sit down. Mama Mayo, you're going to brag on me this morning, aren't you? Okay, are you? Amen. She's probably going to say, honey, Elder Bass just went off the rails this morning. I don't know if you ought to call him back or not. Amen. No? Amen. I'm just telling you. Hallelujah. 
since this whole thing has started, already, if you go look at the figures, there's been over 250,000 babies aborted in this country. Don't talk to me about 200,000 plus people that supposedly had the virus or died from the virus or whatever the case might be. Don't even talk to me about that until you shut the houses of abortion, until you shut down the liquor houses, until you shut down... I can't hear you. Pastor in North Carolina continued to have church when they were not supposed to have church at all. Sheriff called, sheriff come to see him and said, Preacher, you're not supposed to be having church. He said, Sir, we are not going to quit having church. And furthermore, if you need to arrest me, here I am. Go ahead. Let's go right now because I'm not shutting my church down. And the sheriff said, I'm not going to arrest you. I'll quit my job before I do that. He said, but the, uh, but the health department will be here to see you. Health doctor, the head health doctor of the health department showed up for their county. Knocked on his door, came in, sat down, said, now, Reverend. And he started in his spill. And he let him talk and put everything on the table. And when he did, he said, now, Dr. So-and-so, he said, I respect you. And I know you got a tough job on your hands. I understand all of that. But if you're here to tell me to shut my church down, I am not going to shut my church down. He said, but, sir, you don't know. He said, no, no, no. Let me ask you a question, doctor. He said, on your way to my place today, on your way to my office, did you pass the liquor store down there? Was the parking lot full? Do you think there's social distancing in there? He said, well, no, they're not. He said, he said, well, sir, he said, when you shut them down, I'll think about shutting my church down. He said, but, Rev, you don't understand. What you don't understand is uh, that those people are so addicted to that that if we were to shut that down, uh, we would fill the hospitals up with people that are coming off cold turkey because they're so addicted to their alcohol and their drugs. And the preacher looked at him and smiled. He said, I'm glad you said that. He said, because we happen to be addicted to Jesus and we, can't, we cannot not have church. We got to have church. We gotta have church. We gotta get to the house of worship. We've gotta get to the sanctuary of praise. Come on, I'm addicted to the house of God. I'm addicted to worship. I'm addicted to praise. I'm addicted to shouting. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Don't tell me church is not essential. You don't know what you're talking about. I refuse to let immoralists, I refuse to let adulterers, I refuse to let fornicators, I refuse to let anybody else tell me whether church is essential or not. 
Woo, hallelujah. I was born between two Sundays. The first Sunday of my life I was in church, and I'm still in church today, and I'm not planning on giving it up now. Amen. During the worst of it in India, our churches in India, our pastoring, the state of Andhra Pradesh, Chalagundala, the village, whenever they weren't allowed out of their house, when they were not allowed to be in the streets, when they were told if they were, it was going to be major problems. They could even suffer with their life. You know what they did? They slipped out of their houses in their village at 4 a.m. on Sunday morning. And they went to church under cover of darkness so they could be together for a while and have a little bit of church, have a little bit of fellowship. Oh, hallelujah. We got to come to a point where we say, you know what? I don't care what it takes. You see, you just don't understand what's happened to me. I've been washed in the blood. I've been sanctified by the Spirit. I want you to know that Jesus has done for me what the doctor couldn't do for me. Jesus did for me what Alcoholics Anonymous couldn't do for me. Jesus did for me. I said, Jesus did for me what the chemical dependency program couldn't do for me. Jesus saved me when nobody else could save me. Did it bring everybody out? You said, did it bring everybody out? Somebody shout hallelujah. My iPad's telling me it's time to quit. But I know how to get it back on again. Huh? You see? You see, you've got to understand you come to a point where you start deciding what's most important. And I'm telling you, my relationship with God is more important to me than anything else in this world. And if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, i got to hear the Word of God because i got to have faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. That means I need to hear preaching. That, needs to be, that means I need to be in fellowship with the body. Amen. Thank God for what he's done for us. Because it's, it's because of the blood that we are here. And it's because of the blood that we have been redeemed. Now let me just give me, give me about five or six more minutes here. And I'll, and I'll wrap this up. Because I really feel like somebody needs to hear this this morning. That, you, that the first goat that, that was killed and the blood was shed was for the payment of the sins of the people. One goat lived and one goat died. The second goat served a different purpose than the first one. Because when you go back to Leviticus 16, 20, 21, 22, when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and cover Confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins. 
putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited. And he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Here's the, here's the issue of the second goat. I, I, need, a, I need a goat. I need a goat. Let's see a goat. You look like a goat. Come on, brother. <laughs> kneel down right there. Hallelujah. Just kneel down and face me. Hallelujah. So, so here's the second goat. And the priest was to come to that second goat, lay his hand on his head, and start confessing. God, we're confessing our sins of this past year. We're confessing our iniquities. We're confessing all of our transgressions. We're confessing our lies. We're confessing our theft. We're confessing our adulteries and our fornications and all of our lives that's been, you know, that, that has not been lived right. We're confessing everything over you. Amen. We're putting it on the head of this goat. He said, then I want you to take that goat and I want you to lead him into a land that is not inhabited. I want you to take him to a place where nobody else is. Amen. Just kind of go right there, brother, for a little bit. Hallelujah. I want you to take him away. I want you to take him to a far distant place. I want you to take him somewhere where nobody can feed him, where nobody can, 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 can cause him to continue to live. You're going to take that goat and get him as far away from you as you can possibly get him away from you because that goat represents all the sins that I have forgiven you of. Now, we as people that try to live for God, we have no problem with the forgiveness of sins that God has given us in our initial experience. But we struggle with the purging of our conscience because Satan is the accuser of the brethren and he will never let you forget your failures. He'll never let you forget how you made a mistake. And how you let God down, let your family down, let the church down, let everybody down, let yourself down. He said, the Lord is saying, here's what I want you to understand. That whenever the, the sin of your life was taken care of by the blood of the first goat, I want you to let go of everything that you're holding on to. I want you to let me purge your conscience. I want you to let the other goat go. I want you to get rid of him. You see, there comes a point in our walk with God that you've got to let go your past. You've got to let go your guilt. You've got to let go the stigma of your failure. You've got to let go the condemnation that you're living under. I don't care where you come from, let that go. I don't care what your past life is, let that go. Jesus, my God. Come on. Our greatest issue is not the church's ability, amen, or God's ability to forgive us, but it's our ability to forgive ourselves and to forgive one another. It's time to let the goat go. Amen. No matter what kind of load you're carrying in your mind this morning. Oh, I'm feeling Holy Ghost. 
I said, I'm feeling Holy Ghost. Because I'm telling you that we cannot go through what we have gone through. Help me right now, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I said, we cannot go through as a church and as a people, as a nation, we cannot go through what we have gone through the past number of months and people not find themselves in failure. Ah, help me right now, Holy Ghost. I'm going to walk somewhere. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to move into a place right now. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because some of us found ourselves when we were shut down and we couldn't go to work and we couldn't hardly leave our house and we couldn't do anything. You found yourself entertaining yourself with things that when you were praying and you were working and your time was being spent and you didn't have a lot of un, you didn't have a lot of time on your hand where you found yourself in a place of idleness. Amen. Because idleness is one of the worst things that a man or a woman can find themselves with. Because when you have an idle mind and you have an idle life. You're going to fill it with something. You're going to fill it. And there's people that have filled your idleness with things that, that have ill affected you. It has affected your walk with God. It has affected your relationship with God. It is a, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. You've been carrying guilt for weeks. You've been carrying guilt for months. This preacher has come to you to tell you the blood still works. The blood still works. The blood will still cleanse. The blood will still save. The blood will still help you. But what you've got to understand is that when you pray and God forgives you, let it go. I said let it go. Let it go. Turn it loose. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgression from us. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. Do you know the reason why that the Lord wanted them to send that goat away to a distant land? A land that was un inhabited because he didn't want anybody feeding that goat. Help me, Jesus. I said, he didn't want anybody feeding that goat. He didn't want anybody taking care of that goat. Get it out of here. Praise the Lord. Your problem is you've been feeding that goat. When you ought to be taking that goat as far away from you as you possibly can. Let me tell you why you've had a problem lifting your hands in worship. It's because you've been bringing a goat to church every time you come. Come on now. You've been bringing the guilt of your past. You've been bringing, amen, the, the, the shame of your mistake. You've been carrying the burden of guilt in your heart. And every time you come to church, you've got that goat with you. 
You ask God to forgive you, but you're still carrying the guilt. You're still carrying the sorrow. And you come to church and you want to raise your hand. And about the time you raise your hand, that girt, that goat girt grabs you, amen, and jerks you down, jerks your arm down, and you can't praise him, amen, because there's guilt. Amen. The devil's saying, remember what you did. Remember the mistake. Remember the failure. You didn't look at that goat this morning and say, today is your last day to go to church. Today is your last day to go to church. I'm not bringing you to church any longer. I'm not bringing my guilt anymore. I'm not bringing my failure anymore. Amen. I'll tell you the problem with some of us is we know too much about too many people. Huh? And we ain't going to let them forget. Amen. So when you come to church, you ain't just carrying one goat. you got a whole herd of goats that you're hanging on to. Huh? And when you see somebody starting to run the aisle, you look down and say, I got their goat here. I know what they did. They ought not to be running the aisle. Yeah, I'll tell you why they run the aisle. Because you're taking care of the goat for them. They decided to let it go and just go ahead and praise God. Just go ahead and worship God. Just go ahead and magnify God. They decided they're going to turn it loose. Come on, I can't hear you. Huh? Amen. You got all these goats. You can't raise your hands because you got all these goats. Boy, if everybody knew what I knew about them, we don't want to know what you know about them. Don't you see, we don't feed goats. I said we don't feed goats. We believe that when Jesus forgives somebody, he forgives them and casts their sin as far as he can behind their back. Huh? Prodigal son came back home after spending all of his goods on riotous living. And when he got back home, his daddy threw a party for him. Kill the fatted calf. Brought the fatted calf out of the stall. Kill the fatted calf. Said, put on new clothes. Put some shoes on his feet. Let's have a good time. And the elder brother was out in the field working. And he started back in from the field and he heard all this noise. And he asked somebody, what's all that noise about? They said, your brother who was lost, your brother has returned home. And he got upset. He got angry. And he said, I, I don't like this. This ain't right. And so the daddy comes out. And the daddy said, what's, what's the matter, you boy? He said, Daddy. He said, that boy in there brought shame on our family's name. That boy spent all of your, 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 his inheritance. That boy has, has spent it on harlots and riotous living. And said, I stayed here. You never did this for me. 
You never shouted about the fact that I was still at home. You didn't throw a party because I was still at the house. Here's the elder son problem. While he was feeding his brother's goat, the father was feeding a fatted calf. You see, some of us choose to feed fatted calves rather than to feed goats. Because when the prodigal comes home, we want a calf ready. We want the musical instruments ready. We want the singers to be ready. We want, we want to have a party. And if you want to be an elder brother and you want to just go ahead and feed their goat, you go ahead and feed goats. We're going to feed fatted calves because what we want to have is revival. We want to see a move of the Holy Ghost. We want to see a breakthrough in the Spirit. We want to see God do mighty things. You come on, musicians, give them some hope. Amen. You see, understand that here's how you have to treat some of this stuff. Because I'm looking at humans this morning. I hadn't seen any halos or wings. I'm looking at humans out here. And humans have problems. You say amen or oh me, it doesn't matter. It's truth anyhow. Humans have problems. Humans fail. We don't want to. We shouldn't, but we do. And if you're not careful, you'll go through life trying to live for God, feeding a bunch of goats. That ain't going to do nothing but wear you down and keep you from being everything God wants you to be in his kingdom. Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, Simon, before this night is over, you will deny three times that you even know me. In fact, the sign that you will have already denied me is when the rooster crows. You will have already denied me three times. And when that rooster crowed, it was true. Simon Peter had already denied that he even knew Jesus Christ, had any association with him. And he went out and wept bitterly. However, Jesus had already told him. He says, Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith fill you not. And when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. So you're going to make a royal mess of things tonight. I'm telling you now ahead of time, you're going to mess up. You're going to fail. But I'm praying for you that your faith don't fail you. Because if anything has to maintain be alive, kept alive in your life, it's your faith. You got to believe that you can make it. You got to believe that you can overcome. You got to believe that you can get back up again once you have fallen. The righteous man falleth seven times and gets back up again. All you got to remember is you got to get up one more time than when you failed.
just get up one more time. Get up one more time. You can stand. Amen. And so, the rooster crowed. Jesus talked to him later, met with him later, communicated with him later. The Bible teaches us that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, which means that the Holy Ghost fell about the breaking of the day. Now, I've been in a lot of third world countries. And I've slept in a lot of places where we didn't have air conditioning. We just had a window. And I've been woke up many a morning by a rooster crowing. Many a morning. Before daylight. Been a few mornings that I wish I had something in my hand to take care of that rooster. Have you ever stopped to realize? Have you ever stopped to realize? That from the day that that rooster crowed, that symbolized Simon Peter's failure. Do you realize that from that day forward, every single day that Simon Peter was woken, it was by the sound of a rooster crowing. He woke up every morning being reminded, you failed. You let him down. Come on. Every day he woke up being reminded that you made a mistake. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. You said that he, you would never forsake him. You'd never let him down. Everybody else would leave, but you wouldn't leave, but you were the one that left. You know what I think Simon had to do every morning? Every morning he had to say, Rooster, you crow on, buddy. I'm going to go work for Jesus Christ. You're not stopping me. You're not putting me into a guilty complex. You're not putting the guilt of my past on me. You're not. Hallelujah. That's why he preached at Cornelius' house. That's why he was down in Samaria. That's why he preached the message on the day of Pentecost. That's why that he was in every single great revival in the book of Acts. Because every time the rooster crowed, he said, I'm getting up. I'm not staying where I'm at. I got work to do. I got a life to live. I got souls to save. Amen. Now, hallelujah. Lord, I feel good in the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry I preached so long, but I'm not sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm really not sorry. If I need to apologize to some, I'll apologize to you, to all the rest of you. You're not sorry either. Amen. Because I'm telling you that some of us need to throw the rope down this morning and come up here to the front and say, Devil, you're not putting that guilt on me any longer.
You're not putting that shame on me any longer. I'm telling you what I know in the Holy Ghost. There's some of you that are adults here today that you are still being reminded of what you did when you were a teenager. You're still being reminded of some of the stuff that you did whenever you were out in sin. Come on, turn the, turn the, turn the goat loose. Let the goat go. Let him go. What would happen around here if we let every goat go? Brother, I'm sorry. You can come on back in. Hallelujah. I had that goat out there so long, he about starved to death. Hallelujah. You got to turn him loose. There's some folks in this house here this morning. You ought to get out from between your pews. You ought to walk down here to the front. And you ought to say, this morning, I'm letting my goat go. It will be the last time that the goat goes to church with me. It'll be the last time the goat stops my praise. It'll be the last time that the goat keeps me from dancing. It'll be the last time the goat keeps me from running the aisle. Throw the rope down right now. Come on. Throw the rope down. Shake that snake off in the fire. I give you praise. Hey. my enemy. Did I triumph? I give you glory. Hey. I give you praise. Hey. 